talked to my wife last night. I said, man, I, I just feel like there's been, like it's just button heads, right? Like I'm, I'm so thankful for this time, and yet there's much tragedy um, in the midst of it. And I said, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I should do. And others said, well, Sean, you're preaching on thankfulness. I can't think of a, a better sermon to preach um, in, in this moment. This is what she does for me on a regular basis, reminds me of. So I'm going to preach this morning in the midst of a struggle um, in, in my personal life, um, and probably in yours as well, on thanksgiving and gratefulness and, and a free gift. Who likes free gift? It's ironic, because like one of the first lines in my thing was, everyone wants a free gift, but no one wants to say that they got a free gift. No? Okay. If you have your Bibles, open them to Romans 5. Romans 5, 15 through 18. To lighten the mood a little bit, I tell you a couple of things. I looked up the top five reasons why people like Thanksgiving. You want to hear the first two? Food. One of them has to do with food. Who said family? Yeah? Number one. I'm excited about Thanksgiving because I love unwelcome parenting advice from relatives I see twice a year. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> I was thinking about this, Whitney. My sister and my brother-in-law came in from Houston last night. The tough part about this is you're the only one that I see twice a year in these days. I'm kidding. Second one, Thanksgiving is great because people tend to talk less with food lodged in their mouth. <laughs> Top two reasons why people like Thanksgiving. And ironically, I'm preaching on Thanksgiving today. Gratefulness. You got the scripture. Romans 5, 15 says, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from, the, from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life of the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. 
this free gift. We've been given this free gift called salvation, the thing that keeps us um, in, in, in heaven, right? This, this, it, this, this righteousness. Ephesians 1 would tell you, um, through the, the entire chapter, would tell you that we are chosen, that we are redeemed, that we are bought back, that it is signed, sealed, and delivered with the Holy Spirit, that we are the righteousness of God. And it has nothing to do with you and I. It has nothing to do with the fact that we have the ability to earn this place, that it is a free gift. Ironically, I actually do believe that many people want the free gift, but don't want to tell anybody that actually got the free gift, right? Like, we have this huge stigma, like, I, everyone wants the handout, no one just wants to tell anybody that they got a handout. People have feelings about getting free things. Well, you didn't earn that. You don't deserve that. You're right. And I'm going to spend eternity in heaven because of it. When we start to grasp the understanding that we didn't earn this and we didn't deserve this, the only response that we have is to give thanks. When you start to grasp, because you'll never fully understand the weight of of what Jesus did for you and I, when you just get get the, the glimpse of his grace... The only response that I ever have is to be grateful for that. The only response I ever will have is to be thankful. No matter what it is that I'm going through, no matter what struggle it is, no matter the good or the bad, the mountaintop or the valley, I have the ability to be thankful. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks always. We don't give thanks momentarily when we get the gift, that we give thanks always. This, these are the people that we are to be. Thanksgiving. This, this, this thankful theme goes through the entire book of Colossians. Always thankful, 1-3. Abounding in thanksgiving, 2-7. Devoting themselves to prayer, being watchful in, in with thanksgiving. Whatever you do, in word and deed, do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So that means that whether you're sitting down at the dinner table, you have the ability to give thanks. That in your commute to work, you have the ability to give thanks. That when you're sitting in the hospital room, you have the ability to give thanks. When you're changing the random light bulb that she's asked you to change for the last five weeks, I got one in my house, which is, it just came to my mind. I'll get my head to do it. <laughs> you have the ability to be thankful. We have the ability to be thankful in any situation. When work is going really bad, we have the ability to be thankful. When the foam machine isn't working the way it's supposed to, we have the ability to be thankful. When it doesn't look like we're going to be able to get out of the financial conundrum that we're in, that's twice, we have the ability to be thankful. We have... The ability to be thankful. We must be thankful. When your heart is in line with God in such a way, the only 
thank, the only response I have is to be thankful. Picking up the kids from school, man, I tell you, it's hard sometimes to be thankful because they are loud. I got an amen from Mark, thanks. I'm not the only ones, right? You get done with school. My boys get done with school and they come here. And it's a free-for-all from anywhere between 4 o'clock to like 7 o'clock, depending on what time we get out of here. And they get in the car. Full day. School. Work. Hard work, Luis. In their minds. Many recesses. <laughs> and they're loud. Why will you not just be tired? kind of sick and twisted game is this? I love my kids with all my heart, but my God. Hampton is to the age where he thinks he knows everything, and Hezekiah is to the age where he knows he knows nothing and wants to make sure that he tells his brother like all of the things that will actually make Hampton mad. And then Henley is is there hitting Hezekiah, it is a domino effect. And Hoxton is 18 months old now. He doesn't know how to speak outside of like pizza <laughs> and ball. And so you just got him in the midst of the other chaos. This has nothing to do with my sermon. I apologize. Hi. Who said that? Get out of here. We are called in some way, shape, or form to an attitude of gratitude. And while that is definitely a cueism, it's very true. Q likes to rhyme words all the time. We make fun of him on staff all the time. I love you, Quentin. But I've discovered that gratitude is truly one of my life preservers, right? That even in the most turbulent waters, choosing gratitude um, rescues me from myself and my own emotions. <laughs> that giving thanks uh, in response to the, the, the grace that we receive from Christ keeps me from drowning in what other, uh, otherwise would be my, my torment of doubt and negativity and discouragement and anxiety. I was doing some research for this, this sermon and had come across some very interesting things uh, when it comes to thankfulness and gratefulness. Researchers say that negative emotions like fear and, and greed, uh, envy, entitlement, resentment, anger, regret, they actually block gratitude. Can, this causes broken relationships and profound unhappiness. According to one study, it suggests that gratitude interventions may lower the risk of heart disease. Now, I told first service, I have no idea what a gratitude intervention is. I know what an intervention is for like substance abuse, but gratitude intervention, so I'm going to look it up and see what it, what, it, what it looks like. I'll let you know what I find. It seems that a more grateful heart is indeed a healthier heart. A more grateful heart is a healthier heart. It, is it interesting that just possibly God made us in such a way that we have the ability to hear ourselves? heal ourselves 
that it, it, it may just be that our hearts need to be aligned with what God has for our lives and that we no longer have to worry about... Hmm. I could go on a tangent that has nothing to do with Jesus, and I won't. Other studies show that um, gratitude promotes regular heart rhythms, rebalances hormones, reduces stress, increases relaxation, and promotes resistance to the common illnesses. Gratitude has been linked to emotional well-being and lowers levels of anxiety and depression. I'm going to stop there for a second and speak specifically to depression. I'm not advocating pill or no pill. This has nothing to do um, with what your doctor says, okay? But <clears throat> when I was growing up, I don't remember the word depression, right? At some point in time, like in my 20s, maybe, I don't, I'm guessing, I hear this word depression. For the longest time, I, <laughs> this is how ignorant I was. Like, you get a depression in the land. You always know when you're walking and you get a depression in the land for hunting for pheasants, quail. See what I did there? That's pretty. Sorry. Depression. There's nine forms of different depression. Two of them are a chemical imbalance, which means that the physiological makeup of you um, uh, and, 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 and your inner workings is that the chemicals don't, don't, don't work the way they're supposed to. Two of the nine are that way that you would need something to help you regulate that chemical imbalance, which means that there are seven different forms of depression that you have the ability to walk in and walk out of. But we don't talk about that outside of these doors, do we? We talk about that there's this, I'm, I'm just in this depressive state, and I just need help, and doctor, what is it that I do? Here's a pill. Maybe, just maybe, we have the ability to remember the free gift that we have, and it is in the free gift of salvation and the free gift of righteousness that we have the ability to be thankful for what it is that we are, and in the midst of that thankfulness and gratitude, we have the ability to step out of the valley that, oh, by the way, you're going to walk out of anyway, right? I feel like I've said this like so many times the last couple of times I've preached, but Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, implies that you're walking through it, not staying in it, Right? So depression is not something that you have to stay in. Depression is something that, yes, maybe you have a tough spot in your life, but you have the ability to walk out because my response to his free gift is gratefulness. I do not have to be bound by anxiety any longer. The panic attacks is the next one. Anybody in here had a panic attack? I have. You feel like you're having a heart attack. Your left arm goes numb. Your heart hurts so bad. I, I, this is something that I have discovered. I've never had this problem before. You get diagnosed with cancer and all these other things could pop up, right? But, oh, by the way, the panic attack is self-induced. That, that is not the cause of disease. The panic attack is allowing me to listen to the enemy of the fear and the, and the frustration and the question. That is not of God. This panic attack is something that I have allowed. I started listening to the enemy a little louder than I listened to God. So you have this, this struggle you're, you're hurt so bad only for the doctor to say, chill out, man. No, I'll chill out. I just paid you a lot of money to tell me that. Gratitude has been linked with helping with phobias, reduced risk of alcoholism and substance abuse, 
and longevity. Yes, grateful people live longer. Researchers found that people, thankful people, live happier lives. They're more attentive to pleasure, experience less envy. They're more content and retain good memories of past easily. This is how I know my wife is a thankful person. Because that woman has the ability to remember everything. (laughs) She can tell you what I wore last Monday. She can also tell you what I said in August of 2010. It's not a joke either. Like this woman has the ability to recall things. Why would you remember that? (laughs) Oh, that's right. You're thankful. (laughs) Some of the benefits of gratitude our increased self-esteem, enhanced willpower, strong relationships, deep spirituality, boosted creativity. Parents, this next one's for you. Improved athletic and academic performance. I need to teach my kids how to be grateful. Mom, Dad, sorry, I didn't know that when I was in high school. And having a unique, check this out, having a unique ability to heal, energize, and change lives. The gratitude that I have has the ability to heal, energize, and change lives. I bet you right now, if you thought for two seconds, you'd have at least five people that their lives need to change. Not because they're terrible people, don't miss that. I'm not telling anybody that they're terrible. I'm telling them that they don't, they don't know the free gift that's there for them. And that gift will change their lives everything about their lives. You see things differently. You feel things differently. That's what... Second Corinthians 5.17, the old is gone and the new is here. When, when, when you experience the gift, you have the gift. When you feel the gift and you are thankful, your eyes see things differently. I'll never forget the first time I ever, I, that, that, that scripture ever came to life. I was sitting in a deer stand, and if you've ever sat in a deer stand, I've told this story before, you may have, maybe have heard it, but if you've ever sat in a deer stand, like in the morning, you've got to get there before the sun is up, right? <clears throat> to make sure that the deer don't know that you're there. That's not funny, that's real. <laughs> you sit there, I was on this place called Newsom's, and, and I, I, I can tell you exactly where it's at. And the, there was these hills, right? The sand hills, and there the sun was coming up, and you can see all of creation. You see how birds move. You can see, well, two years ago, I had raccoons in my tree. Like, the things you experience out there, for me, for me, 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes to life, and you are thankful in a way that you weren't thankful for at 5 in the morning when you were driving out to the deer stand. Five in the morning, you're driving out to the deer stand. You're like, why am I doing this? You get out there, and your eyes are open in a way. But this is how God works in our lives. And you may not be a deer stand for you. Someday I hope that it is. But it, 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 may be something, it may be something different. I know that it's something different because God is always going to speak to you. The free gift that he has given is not a one-time thing, but it is an every single day thing. That's why the Bible says that he has new mercies for you every single day. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. 
uh, um, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You've, you've all heard of that. In the message translation, it says uh, that he has unforced rhythms of grace. I love that because that means that my grace is different than your grace, and your grace is different than her grace, and her grace is different than your grace. But it also means that my grace that I need for today is definitely going to change because I'm going to think about different things tomorrow. That this isn't a God who sees me at the altar crying my heart out, doing the, the, the Romans 9, 10, right? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. I gave my life to the Lord. He doesn't stay at the altar. He walks with you to the car. And when you get out of the car, he walks with you into your home. And then when you go to bed at night, he is with you then. And he's also the first person that greets you in the morning. Hmm. That you have the ability to speak life into people, not because you are anything great, but because the Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside of you, that gift, that righteousness, has the ability to change people's lives. This is what, to, uh, to be thankful, to be thankful, you cannot keep the thanksgiving. If you keep the thanksgiving, you've missed what Christ is supposed to be doing in your life. Uh, I said it this way in first service, I hope it doesn't step on any toes. I'm to be the light of the world. That's what the scripture says, right? Not the ruler of the world, right? <clears throat> so if I am to be the light of the world and not the ruler of the world, I no longer have to worry about ruling the world. I have to be focused on being the light. But if I drop the light and pick up the rule, it's as if I've dropped Christ and picked up Caesar. Is that over the top? I'm not interested and policies and legislation. I'm interested in being the hands and the feet of Jesus. People in leadership, if you've ever learned from John Maxwell, you have the ability to influence or use authority. I'm not interested in using authority. I'm interested in influencing people that need to hear from Jesus. So for the next 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, however long uh, Christ allows me to do this, I want to make sure that people see the gift that I have. Not because I, listen, this is not an arrogant thing. This is a God thing. I'm not interested in what this can do. I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit does on the inside of me. That is life transformation. That is a gift that is worth giving to every single person. Gratitude is a lifestyle, a hard-fought, grace-infused, biblical lifestyle. I'm not interested. Oh. I'm not interested. Hard work can be fun. Okay? We, we live... Hmm. We live in an awfully soft culture. I'm not blaming that on anybody or anything. But I feel as though we have gotten away from enjoying getting our hands dirty. If Christ gave me the gift that he gave me, how dare I not be ready to work for it? Hard work. Grace-infused. Biblical. Biblical, biblical lifestyle. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. Psalm 103, 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 116.12 says, What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? This is where the prosperity message got it wrong because the benefits are not what I have. The benefits are who I am. The benefits are the new mercies every day, not the new car you drive. The benefits are the love that he instills in my life, not the paycheck that you're after. The benefits are things that add value to you, to your home, to your wife, to your kids. All that other stuff is just stuff. One of my favorite authors, Henry Nouwen, spoke about gratefulness. He said, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our life is easy. But to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the success as well as the, as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, we are only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to this present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would rather or we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. We forget the scripture says he works all things together for our good. So that means I have the ability to be grateful in the midst of suffering. In fact, yeah, I'll leave it at that for a second. This may be weird for some of you, but I feel like sometimes, um, not sometimes, I, I feel like our life is like a garden. That garden needs tending, right? It, it, it's hard, if you've, ever, if you've ever tended a garden before, if you've ever had a garden before, you realize that you can't pull the roots up standing up, right? It is, it's hard to get the root. So sometimes you need to get on your knees to cultivate the soil. And there are certain things that you need to take out of that garden in order for those vegetables and those flowers and everything else to, to flourish. There are other things that you need to leave in for fertilizer, if you understand what I'm talking about. Regardless, the soil needs to be tilled, and it is awfully hard to do that standing up. So sometimes we got to get on our knees to do that. What's my point? Sometimes we've lost this, this idea that sometimes we got to get on our knees before God and say, God, I need to hear from you. God, I'm going to do everything I can to till the soil. I'm going to do everything I can to pull the weeds. What is it that you want? What is it that you want to flourish? Experiences become the soil of our lives. Here's the frustrating part, is that we only want good experiences. And yet there's experiences in our life that have the ability to, to, to speak to us that, that, that aren't good experiences, that are really tough experiences, that are hard to swallow. But those, those have the ability to speak in such a way that only good times will never do. 
I've learned so much more in the last 18 months than I did in the 18 years previously. Can I be thankful for a, a cancer diagnosis? Yeah, I can. I gotta be. And while that may sound weird to some people, I want to introduce you to an individual that doesn't sound weird to at all. What I have realized is that some of the best experiences in my life have come out of terrible, terrible moments. Parents, my nine-year-old has been disappointed by life. Recently, it's a new thing for us in our home. You know, there's a difference between the cry of a scraped knee and the cry of a disappointment in life. And that is gut-wrenching as a parent. I realize I'm only nine years into this, nine and a half. You guys have a lot more experience than I do, but I'm preaching, so bear with me. If I don't have the ability to tend to my garden, the soil in my garden, how will I ever teach him how to deal with his? So many of us are so anti-experience, so anti, I'm not vulnerable, I'm a man. Get over yourself. FYI, if you plan to be humble, you're not humble. That's not, that's not cool, bro. No one wants to be vulnerable. Ah, uh-huh, I'm good, good, good. Don't worry about it, I'm good, good. If I don't figure out the experiences of my life today, if I don't figure out how to work through the frustrations, if I don't figure out how to, to deal with the brokenheartedness, the hurts and the pains, the what-ifs, the I-don't-knows, how will I ever teach Hampton how to do that? seems so gratitude without practice is much like faith without works it's not alive gratitude without practice is much like faith without works it's not alive this is something listen gratitude is a is a verb gratitude is an action Gratitude isn't a, a, a thought process that you have. Gratitude is something that you do, something that you walk out, something that you speak about. A hard-fought, grace-infused, biblical life. There's a scripture in Romans 1, verse 21, that speaks to a, a, a group of people that knew God but did not thank God, and they were, their hearts were darkened because of it. Not because God darkened their hearts, but because they have not spoken about the thanksgiving that that has been given to them, this free gift, this life, right? They have not spoken about this. And so uh, they they are jaded, they are shaded. The question I have for you is, when was the last time you thanked God for anything? 
When was the last time you walked out gratefulness? Do we have the ability this week in the middle of Thanksgiving, even in the midst of the family members that are going to give you parental advice, be grateful? But not grateful that sits in my head, grateful that is spoken out of my mouth. I'm way interested, way more interested. And being aggressive with talking about people than I am about being right. I don't have to have all of my words figured out to say, hey, by the way, Jesus loves you. Who's the one person that you need that you know needs this? This gift that we speak of. The only way that they will do that. The only way that they'll see that. The only way that they'll hear that and they'll know that by what comes out of your mouth. Can we walk out this Thanksgiving? Can we walk out being thankful, being grateful in response to the gift that we have been given?